This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Tina Amini. Octopus is back. It's behind Welcome me. back, uh, <laughs> Octoscoops. Justin yeah. Davis. Scoop. And Sam Claiborne. What's on your hat field today? Oh. Uh, I'm starting the campaign. Uh, the game I was gushing about last week, Eternal Castle, has been removed from the Nintendo eShop on Switch, even though it did nothing wrong. It's an amazing okay. game, and it needs to come back uh, um, on Nintendo Switch. So I'm starting the campaign. Oh. Eternal Castle did nothing wrong. Didn't it show a bunch of blood or something? Like pixelated blood? It wouldn't even. I don't even think it would have been red. Anyway, technically, all blood is pixelated. Um, I don't understand what that means, but we do have a great show for you today. Uh, lots to talk about. Lots of really fun uh, listener emails to get through. But first. Uh, Tina, I know you've been working a lot on IGN's Summer of Gaming. That's true. And now uh, our schedule's out in public. That is hopefully also true. Hopefully everyone's gotten a chance to take a look at the schedule. It's all kicking off next week. Um, Tina, is there anything you want to like highlight or like make sure people are aware of? Like when, it, when, when do people need to start tuning into our coverage? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, next week, uh, June 4th. But, you know, full disclosure, we reserve the right to move things around as necessary. Uh, I think a lot of people are, you know, making announcements and catching up with their own assets and their own team, figuring out work from home scenarios. So it, it's important to for us to stay nimble, which is what we've been doing uh, as we've been planning this whole thing uh, and making lots of shifts and turns. But as far as highlights, um, first and foremost, this is the first time that IGN is actually putting on a press conference of our own. And not just mm. that, but we're putting on three press conferences. We're calling them IGN Expo. Uh, that's June 5th, June 8th, June 9th. So it's all exclusive content. Some of it is actual game reveals. Uh, some of it is, uh, you know, the developer interviews along gameplay uh, that you're familiar uh, seeing from us uh, during normal E3, uh, during normal June time uh, frame. But uh, I think the other like big thing to note is it's kind of impossible for us to com- be like completely transparent about everything that we're working on because we're still working on it. So sure. there's lots of updates to come. So it's as full a schedule as we could get ready uh, for public eyes just to give people an idea of what's to come in the show and get excited about things that they're personally looking forward to. Uh, but, you know, lots of big updates like from Blizzard and Xbox and a lot of those uh, big people that you like seeing games from. Yeah, sure. I, need, I need to add something here that I thought was really cool about this. Uh, E3 is not just about the big press conferences. When you go to E3, you discover games and you see a bunch of like cool stuff on the floor. And that's the stuff that I feel like we have the unique obligation to show people, you know, like, yes, you guys are going to be able to see these big conferences. We're carrying them. We're going to do awesome stuff around those. And 
those games we're going to cover too. But I don't think there's anybody else that's that has the stuff that we released uh, over the past couple of days. Our schedule has a, something for everybody. It has games uh, that only this people that like this show will like and games that people that I would never play. And they're just for everybody. And that's how E3 should be. And and seriously, like there's a lot of people out there that are going to be, you know, uh, 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 watching these big stream streams this summer. But like, check out what we have. We have cool stuff to show and a lot of a lot of neat next gen games you've never seen before and stuff like that. On yeah. that note, uh, I can tease something for the GameScoop audience that we haven't okay. talked about publicly yet. Um, which is, yeah, like we're, we're trying to be like as inclusive as possible. If you like, you know, VR games will be VR games con- content there. If you like indie games, will be plenty of indie games as well. Um, and we're creating a new segment around our dear friend, Tom Marks, where he'll be highlighting, uh, you know, hidden gems, essentially, uh, that you might not otherwise have been able to see if you were just paying attention to a big conference. And that is a big part of like us being able to go to these events is discovering games that are harder to, uh, you know, come above the fold of like the big Square Enix drops and the big Sony drops. So it's it's going to be like his segment that he's curating all on his own, um, and hopefully, you know, identifying some some cooler, uh, lesser known games. Isn't is Tom it- the best? He really is. I mean, you know, bow ties and pies aside, he's still the very best. Um, yeah. No, even beyond that. Funny um, Tom anecdote. Tom Tom sends me game suggestions. He's like, I really think this is a Justin game. You're really gonna like it. And it usually involves either cards or like building a settlement of some kind. Those are like the two things. <laughs> and then I felt very special to get these Tom Marks game suggestions. And Zach Ryan said that Tom sends Zach games and says, I really think this is a Zach Ryan game. Yeah. He does <laughs> I he does that to me too. Oh, oh yeah. But sorry. are they the same games? Are they does the same come? games? No, they're different. So. Okay. Yeah. Does he call them Damey games though? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. he knows he's his like, shit. Yeah, he's very thoughtful and, 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 and tries to recommend games that he thinks individuals yeah. will like. We should make some kind of seek show for him or something. Oh, yeah. wait, you just announced it. Um, <laughs> I, can we talk about the name that, that he originally came up with for it? Yeah, there's an there's a internal name that we are absolutely not branding this uh, alongside because we have to be careful, obviously, about names that we're using. But uh, internally, like the project code name essentially was Tom's Nook. So Damon in Animal Crossing, there's there's a guy named Tom Nook and he makes you pay off home loans. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. He's called Tom Nook because he's a Tanuki. So it's mm. a little pun on Tom, Tom Nook Tanuki. Yeah. That's good. That's and very good. Tom's clever. name is Tom. So yeah. that's that's yeah. that's where we got there with him. And his nook is like the segment <laughs> that he's on, right? So it's like, you know, like this little section of Summer of Gaming. It's his, it's his corner of Summer of Gaming. Yeah. <laughs> Summer is just like hunting something that I can't Ooh. see. There's like well, you probably fruit. had something horrible just run up your leg and you have no it's like idea. Like a, a fruit yeah. fly or something. She was just like carefully hunting across the floor. Well, Sorry, you ought to let her go actually yeah. hunt that down. She's back at it. Bear your home. At it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm glad um, she lose her prey. Tom's marks could also be another one. Another. Uh, That's cute. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm good at naming stuff. Yeah. So this all kicks off next week, and next week could be a really big week. Uh, you know, who knows? There could be lots of uh, PlayStation news to talk about next week. We don't know. Maybe some other news. We and don't some know. Some other news as well. Um, and just as a heads up, we'll we'll be recording Game Scoop as part of our uh, summer of gaming. Uh, coverage so the show for the next couple two or three weeks might feel a little bit different still gonna be a great show so we're gonna be talking about all these big announcements but since we're like fit into the our programming and we have to stay to a very strict schedule we may have to rein things in just a little bit uh you know the shows have to be like exactly an hour i believe so and i don't know that we'll have time for things like 20 questions but so still be great show we'll see i just don't know i can't i can't promise that right now i feel like that was just a notice for us more so than like the listeners (laughs) oh yeah i wasn't talking to the listeners just now i was talking to you three yeah so good to know prepared let's get into tom would want to do 20 questions with us what if it was 20 questions but it was a game that we did reference in summer of gaming only yeah. yeah, there's a lot of games in there. It could be, could be tricky. It's a lot of games. Yeah, those are hard too because we haven't played any of them yet. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. You may not know if your character wears a hat or not. Unreleased twenty questions. Mm-hmm. We should try that one sometime. This is a game this, that isn't out. Yeah, yet. was was this a game reveal on Summer of Gaming <laughs> or was it a you know deep dive gameplay interview? Oh, Have we God. revealed this game so far on Summer of Gaming? <laughs> uh, just just a quick update on Final Fantasy VII. I have not 
beating it because it just goes on forever. I'm in chapter 17. Hopefully, hopefully it wraps up sometime <laughs> soon because I'm definitely I feel like I'm ready to be done with that game. But you're almost done. It just goes on and on and on. I think How it's like 18 or 19 chapters. I thought it was 18. Yeah. So you're almost okay. there. So, Damon, where am I if I'm in the sewers for the second time after chapter 14? Yeah. How close am I to you? You're well, so you're only, you're only a few chapters away, but you're hours away from me. Even after okay. like, even after right. you go yeah. past the point of no return and you go into Shinra to rescue somebody, uh, mm-hmm. there's still hours and hours of the game after that. So. Yeah. Isn't okay. chapter 14 the other big, isn't that like the big open section mm-hmm. of the game? Yeah. yeah. And I just got through all that. I did like a ton of side quests there and stuff. And then I was like, I'm done with these side quests. I, I found yeah. all the chocobos I'm going to find in my life and I'm going to move on. I got to yeah. go let my cat in. They go, uh, yeah. the chocobos make a sound in the game. When you're looking for them in the side quest, they go like, quee, quee. And uh, they spell that out because I have subs turned on. And, you know, like oh, every cool. single character has like the subs that go down the yeah. side. And it yeah. says, chocobo, quee, quee. It's really cute. <laughs> uh, Damon, I just noticed we're both wearing GameScoop shirts. Yeah, oh, cool. I was going to say, thanks for letting everybody know. Well, didn't... It, it Next week is for the... you and Justin. This week was for okay. me and Damon. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a scoop shirt at this point, Justin? Yeah, I have one of the long sleeve ones. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Good. I'm pretty sure he owns all of them. I was going to say, you must have. Yeah. And Sample. Sam- <laughs> he actually yeah, just I- lends them out to people. Justin <laughs> owns one copy of every item in the IGN store. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, I think we have like, we're closing in on 3,000 shirts. So someone please <laughs> wow. send help. <laughs> also, do we sell this pillow? We, we, sell, we sell a shirt with this on it, but do we sell this pillow? We don't sell that design in pillow form. Um, Pear sent it to me. Aw. You know what you could do? You could buy the shirt and then just in a large enough size and cut it out and sew it into a pillowcase. Ginger on our product team actually takes shirts and then uh, she cuts them out and then she frames them. So they're like poster work too. Cool. uh, We've been calling that character IGN Man, which is a horrible name. Like clearly he needs to have a real name. And uh, I think it was our publisher, John Davison, who suggested... This is from memory, but I think it was like Ignatius Geronimo Nelson. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> or something really close something close to that. I'm gonna have the best sleep of my life on this pillow. Oh man. I gotta put that away. Or I'm gonna fall asleep. He looks like uh, Clippy. <clears throat> Let's get into this week's show. Uh <laughs> but this <first>. is just preamble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the cold open. Uh we're checking in with the listeners right off. Hey listeners. <laughs> Thank you. Uh <laughs> Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Rachel in Macomb, Michigan did. And she says, hello, Omega Cops, especially Tina. Oh, hi. What the hell? Yeah, we know (laughs) who her favorite is. I know what she means. Uh, (laughs) Rachel says, as excited as I am for Tony Hawk to come out in just a few months, I can't help but wonder if this is the year of the remakes and remasters. For example, the following uh, are games either released or being released this year. Resident Evil 3, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, Destroy All Humans, SpongeBob Bikini Bottom, The Mafia Collection, the heavily rumored, amazing-sounding Mario Collection, please be true. What do you think has inspired this uptick in remakes? Do you think more companies are trying to find the same level of success that Resident Evil 2 had? And to be clear, I'm glad these games are being updated, and I hope to see more uh, of my past-loved games pop up. It's true. There's even more than she mentioned. There was Warcraft 3 Reforged, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition is out now. Uh, 13, the game that totally bizarre, Ubisoft cel-shaded first-person shooter from the 2000s is getting remade. Crisis is being remastered. World of Warcraft Classic technically counts. Was that that just this year? Oh, we're talking about just this year? I I don't think so. I think that was like a year ago. Yeah. Shout out to to Duggan who still hasn't finished his review of that game. Oh, wait, he doesn't, he doesn't work with us anymore. (laughs) I never got finished. (laughs) Yeah, We don't have a review in world of Warcraft classic. Uh, um, (laughs) I think, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is a new phenomenon and I don't phenomenon. And I don't know why we're noticing it so much this year, because like it's been an ongoing thing and there's always collections and, 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 and there's been special, uh, remakes like the shadow of the Colossus a few years ago and stuff like that. But, Boy, I don't know if it's because a few of those tested the waters and then people saw that they work or it's because like development is suddenly like in a spot where it's easier to remake games because they're built on like some kind of structure that makes it easier. Like there's something happening that makes us notice them more. That's for sure. Yeah, I 
I think every company did one or two, and that was so eye-opening, and they're like, oh, <laughs> these really work, and these sell well. And so then yeah. that, that opened the floodgates. Um, video games also have a lot more history now, right? Like, mm. uh, when I was growing up with video games, I did miss the Atari era, but I was basically there from, like, mostly the start. And, like, but there are people that are adults now, like adults mm. with careers and lawyers that are in their 20s that, like didn't get to play ps1 era games because you know they were too little or maybe you know at least like eight or 16-bit games so it's really really good like the older and more history the video game industry has the more important it is to find a way to bring back and keep those older experiences alive yeah yeah i think i think it's partially um definitely what you guys have already identified as far as like seeing some successes and wanting to replicate that and i also think like you know occasionally when people come out with new ips or new directions for games like take fallout 76 as an example um obviously there are elements of okay maybe that development didn't go in a direction it should have some balls were dropped in these areas or whatever else but there's just so much more of a risk i think for criticism and taking something that was successful in its time, replicating it now, but with modern upgrades is maybe a safer bet. And I'm mm-hmm. definitely like, you know, armchair analysting it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like there's a sense of security there to take something that has a fan base attached to it right from the get go. And Resident Evil is such a good example, too, because that kind of trailed off as a series. So going back to the ones that uh, were tried and true, were successful, were good and, and well-received uh, and remaking those is almost like more of a secure bet, I guess. Yeah. You know, video games don't travel the way that other entertainment mediums do. Like you can still go back and listen to the White Album or watch Casablanca, but video games get lost to time unless companies make a deliberate effort to bring them back and make them playable in the modern era. It's like, it's the thing I like least about video games actually is that, they can just disappear in a way that nothing else can. Yeah. And having the opportunity, like, you know, the entire, uh, you know, the Mario remakes, um, rumored Mario remakes are exciting because then it gives us an opportunity to play things that we hadn't gives like the newer generation, the younger generation opportunities to play those too. Uh, and maybe in a way that, you know, if you didn't have access to your older consoles, didn't keep them around, mom threw them out or whatever. Uh, it's an opportunity um, to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking from experience. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that like there's now just by the nature of time, more sequels to be made, remade and, and everything than ever, because there's just more games to remake. Like the, every every 10 years that passes, there's more games you can remake. And so I think we're just seeing remaking grow as much as gaming is. Um also, like, I have you guys heard? I, I forget who was, was saying this, but one developer was talking about how difficult. I think it was for Bloodstained, like how difficult it is to actually do pixel art now, and like people fake it in all these ways, and it's kind of hard to make a two D game. There's not like a platform for those really. You kind of make them in three D stuff. I just wonder if like all the stuff we're getting now is also just because like it's easy to remake a Borderlands game or something compared to you know something from forty years ago that you got to think like, well, how are we going to make a two D platformer feel really good now? Well, they just remade Missile Command. There's a new is Missile a Command. Or is it yeah, just a new Missile Command? Well, it's not like a sequel or anything. It's just sort of a reimagined Missile Command. I don't know. It doesn't look that cool to me. Uh, that was probably the earliest remakes that ever happened would be like arcade games getting ports to home systems. <clears throat> but I yeah. remember the, the Mario All-Stars collection being like a really big deal. Like they remade the Mario games for Super Nintendo back then and they were really fun and they remarketed that whole thing. That was the first time I ever remember that really happening. Yeah, do you think those Mario remakes are still happening this year? We just haven't. It, it's been a while since those rumors, and we haven't heard anything. Yeah, I wonder. They, like at this point, they might do like a you know, and it's available today type of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the Paper yeah. Mario thing came out of nowhere and turned out to be true, right? So that was a good sign. What I was thinking when we had our remake conversation last week, and we're continuing it this week, is that there's always the Metroid Prime trilogy discussion mm-hmm. around that. And there's, I mean, like in these weeks between these big releases that are coming up right now, like I so wish I could be playing the Metroid Prime games right now on my Switch. That would just be the best thing ever. Yeah. We, uh, I never played the first one. No. They're, they're, you gotta be either, either one of my children is literally killing the other one or they're playing, <laughs> they're playing the most fun game out there you can imagine. Um, I'm trying to stop that sound from coming through my microphone. Screams of glee? <laughs> <laughs> question mark <laughs> I, I don't think we can hear him on our end okay. that's good uh yeah i guess if you're if you're going to remake a uh classic a beloved game like the marketing departments like half their job is already done for them right like you don't need to sort of introduce uh, a new world or new characters and tell people like what the gameplay is like to set up the, the the universe i was thinking like when it when 
a game is something that's completely new, a totally new IP. Like what was the game that we streamed today? Is it Outriders? Yeah. It's almost just like, I can't, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> if they yeah. made another like Final Fantasy VII remake, I'd like, I know I've got a, such a frame of reference for what I'm getting into here, but like, oh, this is something new. I have no idea what these characters are, or what the genre is or what, what I'm going to be doing. I don't want to, okay. and then they introduced a bunch of new proper nouns of yeah. like the names of play. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't need to learn a new like world. Yeah. Well, so it's kind of a double edged sword because on the one hand, um, if you have to market something new, yeah, you're right. You have to learn all of those new systems, those new names. People might end up being like, oh, that's just, you know, a, a so-and-so lookalike. Like they're just ripping off of this other game. That's kind of the frame of reference everyone uses when they're talking about newly, newly, new IPs, I guess. Um, but on the other hand, like for a remake, like we saw with Final Fantasy VII, that double-edged sword comes into play because it's like, well, now you have to honor everything from that original yeah. game and you have True. to market things really specifically so that those fans don't feel like they're being let down in a remake. And like, you know, Final Fantasy VII was trying to uh, balance this line between adding things that are new, adding elements that probably help people who are newer to the story kind of carry through the narrative, um, but also set up uh, I'm trying not to spoil things, but like, you know, set up things for the future, essentially, um, so that it's still new and interesting at the same time as honoring like elements of the game that people loved and the characters, of course. Yeah. Sure. You know, in any game, case, uh, you know, games are like are just more and more story focused now. They just they just weren't like that before, too. Like, it's really helpful to have some of these to like catch up on the story if you really care about that stuff. I really like that part of them. I also liked when Mass Effect did that thing where they gave you this like choose your own adventure thing just to catch you up to Mass Effect 2. That was so yeah. cool. I would yeah, love that for games. I, like if I just want to play an Assassin's Creed sequel, I wouldn't mind clicking through something like that to catch up. Well, you kind of did that in Witcher 3. I forget what conversation you're having with some sort of uh, like high royalty power person. But they're like, so what did you do in this instance that happened in this previous Witcher game? And you get to kind of like map out your narrative uh, like yeah. in real time in the game. Sam's, uh, I mean, Sam's completely right. Like long-running franchises that are serialized and have a connected story that becomes like a problem and a liability over time for the game makers, right? So, you know, remakes and remasters become a way to like onboard people into the franchise or catch them up, or it's like marketing for the next mm -hmm. installment to come. Like it, it becomes important. Like that's, that's the Bioshock exactly for sure, and that was Kingdom Hearts yeah. as well. Kingdom Hearts, yeah, yeah. In any case. Uh... Video game remakes are nothing new, but it seems like there's just more than ever being released in 2020, as Rachel uh, correctly observed. Moving on, this is Alan from Ithaca, New York. He wants to know if a rewind feature should be just built into consoles so you can use it on every game. He says, as I watched my son playing Punch-Out on the Switch the other day, I was thinking about how the rewind feature they added is like a retrofitted assist mode that he was taking full advantage of to win every fight without taking a hit. That made me wonder if you could snap your fingers and magically add a rewind feature to a modern console that worked instantly for every game, would you? On the one hand, I think about my son who, let's face it, would never have gotten to see the majority of that game or a dozen other classics if the rewind feature didn't exist. On the other hand, would it take something away from a brand new AAA action game to know that any element of challenge the developer might have intended was now just a suggestion? Don't get me wrong. I'm not worried about if other people rewind or not. They can play however they enjoy the most. For me personally, I appreciate the option for older games, but I know I would abuse it if it was possible <laughs> for all games. But that's okay to abuse it if that's the experience you want. Mm -hmm. But it's yeah, tempting. I have so many thoughts on this. Yeah, it's the temptation is what I'm sort of wrestling with. Like my gut reaction is like make games as accessible as possible. Let everyone play every game, like in, introduce a story mode, a no damage mode, like whatever you need to do. Then games can be, you know, enjoyed by more people. But I'm thinking about myself, like if God of War had a rewind or some other games had a rewind, the temptation yeah. <laughs> to use it instead of just try again, I feel like would be very, very strong. Maybe they yeah. can, maybe they can patch it in. In, into every game six months after launch. Six months later, yeah. yeah. Six months later. Or you can, like, you have to send, each person has to send a letter to, for approval <laughs> and make their case as to why they need the rewind feature, and then the developer can decide on a case-by-case -case basis. That seems very <laughs> reasonable to me. Um, I think we don't have enough cheats. I just, like, I love cheat codes. I love breaking games. Yeah. I love that stuff, and that was always a part of games. You are not a cooler gamer if you don't use cheat codes. Trust me, I see the traffic to cheats pages. Everybody's using cheats codes. You're not cool. 
use them. So I, w- I think all games should have cheats, and I think that's my favorite thing about retro collections and Prince of Persia's Sands of Time. I think that's a really, it's a really <laughs> cool thing that only games can do in this like really fun way where you can manipulate uh, reality that way. Um, I, I do, uh, uh, I already think that we're past the threshold of you can ruin games. Like easy modes can can already uh, give you a different experience than somebody playing on a normal hard mode. Like when, nobody's arguing about those anymore. There are people that are saying like the Final Fantasy one is not great and stuff like that. I'm, that that's open to criticism, but it, it doesn't ruin the normal mode and people can still play the normal mode. And like, you know, if you really care, you got an achievement to show that you did the normal mode. That's true. I guess it would like, you know, playing devil's advocate um, and thinking about the perspective of if there was this wider accessibility that did fundamentally change your experience, because it does. And I want everybody to have their own personal experience that they're looking for because it's entertainment at the end of the day. Um, But, you know, maybe it changes the discourse, you know, the conversations people are having around the game when it comes out, uh, you know, reviews are out. Obviously, reviews would be the exclusion there or should be for every media outlet to make sure that they're playing, um, you know, in a standard mode of operation. Uh, as the developer designed or intended, but outside of that, like people playing it, you, are they going to come up and say like this game was garbage? It was super easy because they were abusing a rewind mm. mode or an easy or like an easy uh, difficulty, something like that. But I personally like you know always have too much shame uh, to to drop down to easy for the most part. Uh, so I'll usually stay pretty consistent on normal. I, I don't venture into like higher difficulties, uh, but occasionally I do like to leverage them if I'm trying to get through a game a little faster. So it's nice yeah. to have options. You know, we did, we do play games with a rewind button. They're Fallout games and Skyrim games. Like everybody just rewinds their last save when they screw up. That is the main gameplay of Fallout. You make <laughs> you make 120 saves in in a session, and you and you just safety save constantly. They have, they give you a quick save button. That's just an inconvenient rewind. You should be able to have a a, a you know a quicker, faster rewind. That's a good point. It's like so far, you know, developers can build a rewind function into their game if they want to. uh, And we see that with a lot of retro collections. But it's interesting to think about that feature being built into the console and the console handling that functionality. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I think as Tina was sort of alluding to, I think there would be a lot of developers who would not be wild about that. Yeah. Yeah, could be. I mean, you know, uh, there's games that are predicated entirely on like permadeath. Like yeah. that's their core mechanic, like you know, roguelikes. Like that's their that's the central tenant of like yeah. the entire game is that you only get one shot, and like sometimes they go as extreme as to like delete you know your save game if you you know fail. Um, so yeah, it just it creates a weird dichotomy because I I believe that like the the art, the artist the creator has the freedom to you know uh, make whatever art they envision uh, to uh, attempt to achieve their artistic vision, however that may be. But then once it gets into the hands of the consumer that's paid for it, I feel like the consumer has complete control over how they want to use this, the art that they've you know purchased. Yeah. How would Journey have turned out if there was a difficulty mode, like super ultra hard difficulty? I don't even know what that means, but it's just such an interesting kind of thought uh, The mountain process. is just a lot taller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly you can't, um, i mean that game had drop in drop out multiplayer though right so it's like you're clearly not rewinding in any kind of multiplayer context in any game it's impossible um yeah every I other mean, form of medium allows you to skip around in it it's just does yeah. movies, records anything you you can buy you're allowed to skip around do whatever you want games are the <laughs> only thing that force you through it it is, is crazy a- that not every video game has a chapter select after you beat mm-hmm. the game like I would like you know, Uncharted. Like yeah, like I'll go back and play the set pieces in Uncharted just to re-experience them. And like any game that that disallows you from doing that is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, cha- um, chapter counts and being able to jump around between them. That and like recorded amount of time that you've been playing are two features mm-hmm. that I think every single game should have. Where possible. Yep. Yeah, I love it's knowing it. how much time I've spent in a game. It should record your time playing, and it should. Pause the timer when yeah. you pause the game. Final Fantasy VII doesn't do that. Why do they do that? I've spent like 100 hours in that game just leaving it paused for a while. I'm in the pause yeah. screen and the time is still ticking up. It's like, what are you yeah. doing? Pause that. Crossing time. We, uh, Damon, I want to circle back to a point that you made about like, you know, the uh, intent of the artists. Like some, the game developers really do seem to fall in these two tracks of like, we intended the game to be played in this way, you know, like a Dark Souls, for example. Like, 
yes, an easy mode would open the game up to more people, and I personally am in favor of it, but I respect the opinion of the people that made it. Like, this is our intent. This is how we want the game to be experienced. But then there's developers on the extreme other end that just don't. They're like, yeah, mod whatever you want into our yep. game. Like, yeah. we don't care. Like, this like, is a I'll... set of tools that, yeah, that you can use to be as creative as you want. This is yeah. very relevant to a recent Rick and Morty episode, if you guys watch that show. I don't. They talk about oh, yeah. rewind features? Yeah, there's there's a um, an episode where he gets, a, where Morty gets a rewind feature for his life, essentially. Hmm. That'd be useful. Uh, pe- some of the... Well, uh, Watch the episode. <laughs> okay, well, okay. <laughs> so listeners, uh, some listeners have been uh, saying they'd like more TV uh, recommendations for us. Um, so we'll try to bring that up from time to time. I haven't been watching anything new since uh, what we do in the shadows, so which I think I'm caught up on. Well, I up on that. freaking love it, and and I didn't realize it's in season right now. So yeah, I yeah. was so excited when I was like rewatching, and I was like, "There's another episode." <laughs> and then I was like, "This week, I was like, there's another episode," and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's in season." I just had I'm so out of touch with television now. That's like when you put on an old jacket and there's a twenty dollar bill inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. It felt so good. <laughs> Uh, okay, moving on. This is Kevin in Essex, UK. He says, last August, my wife and I were blessed with the birth of our first child. I've always been a pretty big gamer. Initially, I could still play games while staying up with the little man. However, after a few months, he settled into a good sleep routine, so I no longer needed to stay up through the night. And as a result, I have not touched my Xbox or Switch for several months now, choosing sleep over gaming. These are these are real choices parents have to make. I've been thinking of just watching cutscenes of games instead of playing them, just so I understand the story. I've never owned a PS3 or PS4, so I'll probably never get around to playing The Last of Us, Horizon Zero Dawn, or Death Stranding. Would any of you consider just watching the cutscenes online or maybe playthroughs in order to save time but still get to experience the story of a game? There are YouTube channels that actually string together cutscenes into movies, essentially, for games for that purpose. Yeah, yeah, it, it's on a game by game basis. But like in the case of Last of Us, for example, so much of the storytelling is happening through the gameplay journey, right? Like sometimes in a literal way, like there's story coming at you during the gameplay, but sometimes also just figuratively, like traveling from point A to B and seeing mm-hmm. the sites. So the the question: Would I personally consume a game that way? No, but I would consider watching like a let like a let's play, like a long play of a game that. Mm-hmm. That was just the entire game stitched together. But I, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I'd feel like I was missing too much to have the actual gameplay cut out. Yeah, The Last of Us is a good example because they specifically wanted to design moments. So we you know, did a series called Expert Mode for a while. Um, and we did one for The Last of Us where we talked to the creative director, Bruce Strelian, kind of like walked through some design decisions and whatnot, big moments in the game. And he mentions that specifically where he talked about like world building and character building and relationship bonding between Joel and Ellie um, while you're just walking or finding a ladder to, you know, elevate to the next platform or whatever else. Like they wanted you to have uh, design, like story design in those gameplay moments too, to kind of emphasize that. So you're right. Like you would be for that kind of game, you would totally be missing out on a lot of that. Um, I only ever really watch cutscenes for a couple reasons. Uh, one is I, I'm very forgetful, so I like to you know brush up on games uh, that have been like many years gone that I haven't played for for a while, and so I'll, I'll rewatch cutscenes of major moments to remind myself of some of those story elements. And then I actually did recently when I finished Final Fantasy VII, I looked up cutscenes for the original because I wanted to see like you know really big important scenes um, that were uh, really quintessential to the game at the time. I wanted that frame of reference. Yeah. That's exactly how I use it. I love going to retro games and thinking like, I probably won't ever play this, but I want to know, like for, for Metal Gear Solid 2 is one I really remember clearly, like going through a lot of the game, scrubbing through it, watching the cutscenes, and figuring it out. Because I was like, I don't really like Metal Gear Solid 3. I liked 4. I'm going to play 5. Like I was in this like weird zone where I was like, I need to know about this game. So I definitely did it there. Hmm. Also, it was too much. It was like 20 hours. You know, I was like, I'm not. That's what Death Stranding yeah. would be like. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, the, the other time that I'll watch cutscenes too, is if there are alternate endings, I definitely like to know, you know, oh, yeah. this was my ending, but what were the other ones that other people got? Yeah. I also, my version of that, if there's a game that I'm curious about or want to know about, but don't want to spend, invest a lot of time in is just to play it on easy. Hmm. Um, you know, like, and it's not necessarily because I don't like being challenged about games. We talked about this with final fantasy. We're like, yeah. first of all, I'll play any game on whatever difficulty you want, but like, 
easy saves you time. So if you're just trying to blast through something as fast as possible, just to be caught up or just to experience some version of it, like to me, that's the exact right context that I want to bump down the difficulty and just, you know, blast through something ASAP with the full knowledge that like, I'm not getting the experience that I would have gotten, you know, normally. Sure. I think uh, one suggestion I'd have is to have your brother or sister or a friend over that doesn't have a child and have them play the game at your house so you can check in and watch it for a little bit. You can do a little over-the-shoulder controlling of that game because mm-hmm. there's nothing more fun than playing a game with a friend even if you're just watching. I think that's the best way that's to experience good. a game if you're not holding the controller. That's definitely something I miss as an adult. Um, and I'll, for me personally, I, it'd be highly unlikely that I would want to just watch cutscenes of a game online Primarily because I'm actually not that interested in video game stories. That's just not like what the yeah, real draw. Way. That's not what the real draw is for me. Uh, and I get also like Kevin in Essex. He doesn't own a, a PlayStation Four, so like it's a little bit different. I, I I can still pretty pretty much play every game that I want to play. But like, and just to be clear, Damon and I are in it for the points. Yeah, high I'm score. just trying to get. I'm just trying to get a high, high score. High score. <laughs> Most meaningful internet points. Oh yeah. Real quick to to Justin's point too, um, just as like an interesting trend that I've noticed is like they've started change. A lot of developers have changed the phrasing for difficulty settings, and like an yeah. easy setting is kind of you know called story mode or you know yeah. something oh, yeah. related to that now. So they're just trying to change the context of that. Remember yeah, the I, extreme games? It'd be like wimp mode, and it'd be like I mean, you're okay. Doom, Doom still does that. Doom still does <laughs> yeah, that. that's true. But that's a very Doom style thing to do. Like you can't get rid yeah, of that. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. It's kind of its whole thing. Yeah. Okay, this is Facundo, who's writing from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Since I'm a longtime listener, I'd like to say thank you, Omega Cops, for all your hard work. What I wanted to ask you guys is do you remember feeling truly free inside a video game for the first time? When did it happen? What were you playing? To me, this sort of awakening happened at the age of 12 or 13 when a dear friend of mine insisted that I play The Elder Scrolls for Oblivion, and it just blew my mind away. Everything changed after that. Nothing was ever the same. I couldn't believe the kind of freedom could be achieved inside a video game. Of course, I didn't have much experience with RPGs or open-world adventure games at the time. So the first time we feel, we remember feeling really free inside a video game. Oblivion's I have some bad experiences answer. with that and good ones. I remember uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 was like a good one where it was like, this is a playground that's in real, you know, I was more interested in the playground than any other part of that game. Driving around, running people over, doing all the fun stuff in that game was like an actual sandbox. And the first time I thought about what a sandbox was, I think that's really cool. But if you walk it back, I remember the first time I played Legend of Zelda at a friend's house and I was like, this game sucks. (laughs) I I don't have a sword. What am I gonna do? That's what I specifically wanted to point that out because I think The Legend of Zelda is the first time I remember feeling that freedom. You know, you can go in any direction from the beginning. However, like you said, it was so open and so different, different uh, for the time that Nintendo had to hold everyone's hands, and the instruction manual like tells you exactly where to go to find yeah. the first temple. It tells where to find the second temple. It shows you all the the, the hidden magic items. It's, it you know it gives you it gave you a fold out map of almost the entire world of Hyrule. So like mm-hmm. there was a lot of hand holding with the original Legend of Zelda because it was so open. Mm-hmm. For me, it's and very then, much. And a, then you're screwed. Um, <laughs> freedom for me is very much about movement. So anywhere where you can fly, let's say like um, like Infamous or Saints Row or Spider Man, mm-hmm. like the, any kind of like free form movement um, is really fun because it feels like you're almost breaking the world because it's not the world that you're adjusted to. And RPGs are definitely an angle of that. But I think like, you know, I've played enough where that's become a familiar thing. Like, I don't want to say that I take it for granted, but it's kind of part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when you, when you get to incorporate fun stuff like that, it feels very freeing. Or even like Batman, um, you know, felt freeing because you were just gliding through all the combat. Yeah, they do. I like the way you phrase that. Where like clearly those games are intended, those game worlds are intended to be flown through and flown over, and yet you still feel like you're sort of like cheating and getting one over mm-hmm. on like the game, and like I'm gonna drop down on these guys. Like good sense of power there. Yeah, exactly. It's the power element that feels freeing in that. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is definitely GTA Three, which it's funny looking at that map today. Where like it's like five blocks, right? <laughs> but it felt like. Well, I'm going to go all the way over to the other island. And like, yeah. it felt like you were going on this big adventure and the map is very quaint by today's mm-hmm. standards. Um, the Oblivion answer is a good one because that game, you know, in every Elder Scrolls game, it's a trope at this point. But like, it has you in the sewers and in the dungeon first for like, not a long time, but like an hour yeah. at least. Killing rats. And then, 
And then you get out into the world and then they all have that awesome moment. Fallouts do that where you leave the vault, yeah. like that prologue and then into the open world is like that feeling's never going to get old. Um, yeah. The other one, the other unusual answer for me is StarCraft because that was the first time I can remember messing around with game mods and custom game modes. And like mm-hmm. that feeling of like, this game is a completely like it can be remade into like a completely different thing and a completely different experience. And like it had this weird, like I would download and install weird, like Starcraft tower defense mods and like that freedom of like browsing through a server and finding something weird and trying it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't do like doom multiplayer mods or anything Mm -hmm. like that. So like, that was the first time I felt like a game was really like, uh, uh, you know, remixable in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, the it, first game I ever played that I talked about last week, Zork, that's a total open-ended, crazy exploration game. And that was my first experience I can even remember playing a game. And it just throws you into, you know, a field by a white house and then you just explore for the rest of your day. It's so fun. Um, I have not played Dreams, but I imagine that is the most freeing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can literally just do whatever in there. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think the original Final Fantasy on NES also gave oh, yeah. me like a real feeling of adventure or you know, especially when you got the airship, you can just explore this whole yeah. wide world. I can't that was they built awesome. that into that game. Like you spend yeah. all this time slowly trudging around, and then all of a sudden you're like, you can fly over everything. Like on yeah. the NES, that's amazing. That fly over amazing. the oceans. Yeah, yeah, you just do whatever you want. Yeah, as long as you landed on grass. <laughs> exactly. And then Mario sixty four. Uh, you know, first time you just those giant open levels that had so much verticality, so many secrets to find, and so many places to explore. That also felt very freeing. I think. You know, I stopped I playing that. video games for a few years. That's why I haven't ever played a PS1 game, um, uh, except for, the, you know, going back now. Um, and uh, a friend of mine showed me, you know, it must have been 1998 when I had stopped after a few years. Uh, he, it's, he showed me, like, he was playing Ocarina of Time. I was watching it. And I was like, this is really cool. Like, I think this is a game. He's like, yeah, but watch this. And he, he, he's at Lake Hylia, or Hylia, how people say it, I know. Um, and he ran from there to death mountain and it felt like it took 45 minutes Yeah, <laughs> and the whole time he, and he's just running freely, you know, and now that's like the GTA three thing. Like it yeah. probably took seven minutes or something or like three. I don't know. It took, it probably takes no time, but it was like so amazing to see all those environments and all those things running past enemies instead of finding them and just being like from like the bottom of this lake to the top of this mountain. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I got back into games because of that. Video games are pretty cool. This is Jared from Kansas City. Hey, he says, with this generation in games coming to a close and Ghost of Tsushima likely being the swan song for the PS4, I wanted to ask the panel, what are your favorite swan song games? I've included some notable ones below. Uh, I've left off certain cross-gen release games such as Twilight Princess, which hit GameCube and Wii. Um, looking at this list, I had forgotten just how late Paper Mario came to Nintendo 64. It didn't arrive till 2001 in North mm-hmm. America. So did Conquer. And Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, Those are all good Swan Song games. Yeah, well, Banjo Kazooie is probably 2000. Tui. Tui. Tui was 2000? Uh, no, Tui was like 2001. Banjo Kazooie yeah. was 1998. Okay. That's what you say. Uh, so these are some that he, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jared from Kansas City. For the Genesis, he recommended Sonic and Knuckles from 94 um but games it was a song (laughs) uh the games continued to come out for uh the genesis for a couple years and vector man 2 was in 1996 and i know we were hating on vector man a little bit last week but it was still very impressive i thought there was three sam was sam was we we love vector man on this show (laughs) vector man 2 was 96 and it was very impressive at the time so that might be a more a little bit more fitting swan song for the genesis he includes Game Boy, Nintendo ones, right? For Super the Nintendo. Game Boy's obvious. Dude, Pokemon just came at the end of what was supposed yeah. to be the Game Boy life cycle. Yeah, Pokemon was 98. That's so crazy. You yeah. say, uh, did we say Donkey Kong Country already? Well, it was 94. There's that one. There's that one. Uh, but for Super Nintendo, he suggested uh, Mario RPG, which is 96. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the, the famous one because it the came same, out after the same Mario year as, before. The, yeah, the same yeah, year. Yeah, it came out same year. I've said after on this show many times, okay. and then someone corrected me, but it was the same okay. year as Mario 64. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That game's just okay, too. And Chrono Trigger was really late, Dude, too. Mario RPG is just okay? No, it's not. That game's awesome. Yeah, and it's, I, you're oh, right. It's man. It's oh bad. my gosh! <laughs> I agree with Sam. It's it's out it's outclassed by Mario and Luigi and Paper Mario. It's better than yeah. Vector Man. 
uh, for uh, Nintendo 64, we talked about Paper Mario and Conker's Bad Fur Day, where they're both 2001 games, mm. which is the same year that the GameCube came out. I believe oh, yeah. 2003. It was butter up against each other. I mean, yeah. Majora's um, Mask was late, too. It was 2000. On PlayStation 1, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 came out in the year 2000, hmm. uh, which was the year that PS2 was out, I believe. Uh, for NES, he suggested Super Mario Brothers 3, which was 1990. But I, no. the, the games, games came went out on for four years after that. Yeah, like Mega Man Kirby. 6. Mega Man 6 was 1994. Yeah, uh, Warriors, Warriors Woods. Woods. <laughs> yeah, those are bad games. Warriors but there Woods were the, the thing about the NES, and I was kind of on the pre-show with Tina when we were talking about this topic earlier. Uh, we uh, we were saying that I was saying that like people didn't want to play NES games after the Super Nintendo came out, and then also there's just ports of them to the Super Nintendo. All those games just came out on Super Nintendo, and so there wasn't a, a good swan song era. I think back um, then, but now I there think- is. To be a swan song, I don't think it's just a game that released late on a console. It's like the culmination yeah. of like using all yeah. the horsepower and like exceeding everything that had come before. So it's like, you know, it's a game like Last of Us, you know, like in my mind. Yeah, if you look literally um, for swan song, like the games that actually came out in a, in a console generations last year or two or three, if you're being generous, um, especially in like re- more recent generations, they're all like Just Dance and a bunch of sports games. And it's just that becomes like the literal last few yeah. games that get released on those consoles. That's really funny. Yeah. Wait, uh, I, we were also talking about uh, earlier that Twilight Princess and uh, uh, obviously Breath of the Wild, those are the like great games to end a console, but they just got ported to the other one, so they're forgotten yeah. about. But man, that was a good end to uh, both the Wii U and the and the uh, GameCube. I think yeah. we're like we're like ten years away from it being a mind blowing video game fact that Breath of the Wild is on the Wii U. Like nobody <laughs> nobody owns it, and like it's so closely associated with. The no, Switch you got to be careful when you say that because people have been tweeting at me for the past month pictures yeah. of the Wii U. Tw- uh, uh, version of that game and i don't know why, i don't know why, how we i don't know how we yeah. asked about it but it was like uh, yeah. i keep on getting it do you get that too right damon um not so much i don't think We're, i, get, uh, I get two or three a week it, that's like see look sam i have this or like look at this it's still <laughs> yeah. on a store shelf okay We're, we get uh, it it's, i think it's, it's funny com- well, we forgot to tell podcast. you we actually <laughs> i was gonna you make a dumb joke up. you go yeah. no i was gonna He's make a dumb joke too I was just saying it's a conversational podcast. And when we say nobody owns something, what like, please don't make me explain that. I don't literally mean nobody. And I just mean, it's not super popular and well-known. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good um, you mentioned last of us. That's a pretty good one for uh, PS3, but for that whole generation, 360 and PS3 GTA five mm-hmm. uh, came out just months before PS4 was uh, released in Xbox one. Yep. Ported right after. Definitely going to be cyberpunk for this generation. No kidding. Yeah, that's true. And Last of Us 2, and maybe Ghost. So speaking of GTA 5, this is Josh from England. He says, during the lockdown, I took my old Sega Saturn to my dad for him to play while in isolation. He played a lot when I was a kid. And I also gave him an Xbox 360 to try to modernize him a bit, although he still struggles having to move around in 3D worlds with two analog sticks. While I was cleaning everything before dropping it off, I dug out GTA 5, and it made me think this game has already dominated two generations of consoles with GTA 6 a while away. My mm-hmm. question is, will there be a Series X and PS5 version of GTA 5? I can't imagine Rockstar will want to lose the income from online users. Also, with launch years normally being a bit barren, will it sell all over again as one of the best games on the new platform? Also, can you think of any games that have uh, been able to sustain releasing across three different generations? Hmm. Yeah, well, GTA think- Five will work on the Xbox Series X. It's just will. Yeah, it's yeah. backward compat kind of changes that whole conversation. Yeah. 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 And since yeah. Sony has said they're going to make sure the top 100 most popular PS4 games are compatible, right. that Assuredly includes GTA 5. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, GTA 5 is a platform for GTA Online, which continues to be a cash cow and be very, very popular with millions of people playing it. And, you know, we saw it, they, what Epic gave it away, right? You know, so that you could get the PC version for free now. So I mm-hmm. think I, I'm going to say it, but I feel like I may end up eating these words. Or like <laughs> 2K is almost getting beyond the point of like it feeling important to sell GTA 5 to people now. And I think they're reaching the point where like, they want it in people's hands in order to onboard them into online um, is the sense that I get. 
Yeah. I'm and just going to go ahead and say three. nobody's playing GTA 5, and that game never existed. <laughs> yeah, it's and not Vector at the top better. of our traffic all the time. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Tr- tweet at Sam Claiborne. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that brings us to video game 20 questions. Uh, you said get, no more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> before we get to it, uh, we have a, a request on a, a clarification on how we would answer uh, a question. And the request comes from Big Tony Style. <laughs> Big Tony Style wants to know, one of the questions in last week's episode, does, does this game contain a vehicle? I'm just curious, would you consider a horse a vehicle? And so what if the game was Red Dead Redemption 2 and you asked, does this game include vehicles and there weren't like uh, horse and buggies or only horses that you could ride? What? How should I answer that? Well, thanks for clearing up the buggy question. <laughs> yeah, that's not or trains. No trains, too. No, because if you said yes to that, then we would think it's a it's not an old timey game. We would think it's like something that's set now. Like you would really throw us off by that. So that would be a, a not a good answer. So a horse is a mount, but if they are on a wagon, that's a vehicle, is what I would say. Can you ride something is what we'd have to ask to get all of that stuff. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I. so, you know, Tina's right in the technical sense, which is the best kind of right. Um, (laughs) The only kind of right. (laughs) But when I, when I, when the word vehicle comes out of my mouth, I'm, I'm implying a motorized vehicle. Okay. Okay. Yeah, planes, trains, and automobiles, essentially. But I yeah, feel like, you know, a buggy could count because what other, you know, especially depending on the time, the era that it's set in, that would be the vehicle of that time. And you're not on the horse. <laughs> what if it's a man in a wheelbarrow? When does so that a, happen, though? <laughs> what, if it's, like, what if it's a robot know. horse? A skateboard. Mm-hmm. Is it a skateboard? Yeah, skate or die. Does that have vehicles? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, skateboards with motors are a crime. Yeah. As I've seen was, on this t-shirt. That's a really interesting question, though. It's not a vehicle. No, vehicles are self-propelled. Self-propelled? Mm-hmm. So like, a, horse a, car, a car isn't self-propelled. Yes, it is self-propelled. It has an engine no, you, propelling you it. You have to propel it with No, the, you're yeah. not propelling it. You, If you put a stone in that car, it would propel itself. But that doesn't work because a horse is self-propelled. Yeah. Also, I'm <laughs> self-propelled. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm a vehicle, vehicle now. <laughs> vehicle has to be a, a, a technical, a technical invention that's self-propelled. It's something that you ride. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna we're gonna start to burn questions on: Is it a vehicle? Does it have two wheels? Does it have four wheels? Does it have animal legs? Is it? <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I got to go back to the very beginning of this episode, in which I said technically all blood is pixeled. That Damon, you realize that like that's true. There's no game that doesn't have blood without pixels. Everything is pixels. Okay, but when you say all blood, I think of like the blood that's inside me. How do you know? I've maybe seen you're it part before. of the Matrix. <laughs> maybe you're just high res. Could be. I chose a blue pill. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. our suggestion this week comes from Joe from Maryland. Let the questioning begin. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm going to do it. Does this game have vehicles? No. <laughs> okay. But uh, sounds like we a don't know where game. we landed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or skateboards. By <laughs> by Sam. So games the, with horses. Games by with the horses. definition. Right. No, not vehicles. Okay. This is from before two thousand. Yes. Is there multiplayer in this game? No. Is do you do you walk around on feet in this game? Yes. Is it licensed? No, that's five. What was the answer to before 2000? No? Yes. yes. Oh, it was, wait. It's from before 2000. Okay. <laughs> uh, is this on a cartridge? No. Mm. Um, no, 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 no. Hard no. Same question, arc- was this an arcade game? No. That wasn't the same question at all. I don't even know how to fr- <laughs> phrase it that way. <laughs> same question, PC board? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, um, was this was this game on the PlayStation One? Yes. Why would the cartridge thing have tripped you up? Because he was debating over games whether it was. Yeah, uh, on cartridge later. But it wasn't <laughs> released on cartridge. Did this not on this Switch? Game or game develop, developed in Japan. Yes. Japanese yeah. PS One game. Is it an RPG? I'm out. 
It it is an RPG of sorts. That's mm-hmm. ten. So like RPG that. elements. Does Final Fantasy Tactics have vehicles in it? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm trying to debate over whether you're ever fighting like a tank or something in that game. I don't. There's no vehicles. Uh, I don't know where to go from here. Was this game exclusive to the PlayStation One? Yes. Is it part of a series? Yes. Is the series still active today? Yes. Is it still a, wait, I don't know if I want to ask that question. <laughs> Is it still an uh I kind of want to ask, ask if it's still an exclusive. It is well, an exclusive. Was if this it's a still, Was this But I think it? it would be. It was an exclusive. It was, okay. Was but this I think game it, developed by like a PlayStation studio, a Sony studio? No. I'm I'm really hung up on you saying it's an RPG of a sort because it's like you know it's not Suikoden or you know Chrono Cross or Final Fantasy or any of those. I think the non-exclusive question is a good one. I think it's probably a Final Fantasy spinoff. Is it a Final Fantasy spinoff? No. <laughs> is this oh, yeah, a Square Enix game? Is it a oh, Square... Sorry, Square game? It's a Square Soft game. Yes. Ooh, that's really good. That's fifteen. So, you know, like, I don't know, Parasite, Parasite Eve, Eve, there's yeah. stuff like, yeah, but they're not active anymore. Kind of. No, something that one had with, a mobile game that went away, yeah. Something that had RPG elements made by Square that's still around, still getting sequels today, or it's the franchise is still active today. On the, Exclusive to the PS1, made by Square. Is this a Final Fantasy game? Yes. <gasps> well, it's tactics, right? Yeah. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, yeah, it probably is tactics. I don't know if I would call that active. What other Final Fantasy games are there? Well, you know, there's you, like well, a, no, he's just saying that the series is active. That Final Fantasy is very. Yeah, active. it's it's got. They, they, they've announced a new Christie Chronicles. <laughs> yeah, it comes out August twenty seventh. Um, they got the release date today. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, is this a tactic, ta- uh, tactical RPG game? Yes. Yeah, is it Final <laughs> Fantasy Tactics? Yes, Final Fantasy Tactics. Nice, pretty efficient. And that's yeah, why no I one. thought we were going to have a whole thing about the vehicles thing, because of the Chocobo situation. <laughs> oh, the Chocobo. Well, yeah. Chocobo are definitely vehicles. Okay, gotcha. Uh, when was the last Final Fantasy Tactics? Um, it's been a while. They Game did Boy? two for Game Boy Advance, mm-hmm. I want to say. But I just meant it, uh, part of the overall fantasy franchise. I'll, I'll allow it. Okay, mm. good. Thank you. Wow, we got it. Uh, yeah, thank you for the suggestion, Joe from Maryland. Final Fantasy I don't Texas. think the person from last week added me when we well, lost. We lost big. What was yeah. last week again? Wait, was last week Abe's Odyssey or was it before? No. We lost on that one, too. <laughs> no, we got Abe's Odyssey. You oh, we maybe Abe's we did. Odyssey? Okay, yeah. yeah. I don't remember what last week's was. John, what I was to, last week's? <laughs> to look at my notes. The producer. At us. <laughs> Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Square or Final Fantasy Tactics. Tactics was really oh, it was on. Fantasy Star Online. That's right. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, which was insult to injury. We ran a review also that same yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Tactics was released on PSP and now it's on iOS. Mm. Nice. A uh, really yeah. really good game. I wonder how Actually, the iOS version is. It's good. I have it on my phone. I completely had forgotten. Yeah. That'd be a really good iOS game. But yeah. the only thing, like, it was on iOS ported many years ago, like literally like six or seven years ago to iOS, and so sometimes yeah. that ecosystem has been around long enough that games can break mm-hmm. now if they're if the yeah. developer doesn't continue support. That was them. part of that series of Square Enix games where they were like twenty bucks and people yeah. flipped out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they were even more than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, that's about all the scoops that we have for you this week. Next week should be a really fun week. Lots to talk about. Uh, and, uh, of course, iGen's whole summer of gaming uh, coverage kicks off next week. Um, what's, the exa- is, what's the exact date that our coverage kicks off, Tina? June 4th. 4th, okay. Currently. June 4th, next week. <laughs> As of right now. <laughs> I got the game to say it. Cool. Oh, I didn't hear it. Amazing. Well, the game uh, didn't actually say it. <laughs> it's on the screen. I programmed uh, the screen to say it. Just, yeah. It looks exactly like his hat. It, the, the, the game <laughs> does make a honking sound. Hold on. Hold on. Almost what? there. Almost there. This is Ready? good. Yep. And scoop. 
scoop. <laughs> you okay. Just a little white blob. <laughs> okay. And with that, thank you, Justin. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Borba, working behind the scenes. Everybody uh, stay safe. We'll see you guys next week. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop, and we're out. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.